people and one Savior. Week one, we spoke about that lady who poured out her expensive Narciso Rodriguez perfume over the feet of Jesus. That was incredible to see how she had an encounter with Jesus. And then last week, Tony from Benoni, he hit it out the park. It was an amazing preacher. He spoke about that woman encountering Jesus at the well. And so we're in our third week today. And what I love about this series, friends, is that we're not just doing a bit of a Bible reading here on a Sunday. We actually want to encounter Jesus. That's what we're doing through this series today. We're going to meet a man today who encounters Jesus in a different way to those women, but it's the same Jesus that he encounters. And so you can open your Bible to Luke chapter 19. If you open your Bible, your smartphone there, Luke 19. If you've got a smartphone, one of those Huawei phones, don't bother. <laughs> so there's a new phone out, mom. It's called Huawei. Um, it's useless. Your Nokia was useless. Hold on to it. That's probably much better than that Huawei. My mate bought his wife a Huawei phone. Sorry for that wife of his. So open your Bible smartphone, Luke chapter 19. It's not on the screen. Why not? Because this is a training center. And so you need to bring your Bible to church. And besides, last week there was that mate of mine, that specialized guy. He had it on the screen. It was way too small anyway. <laughs> so it's not on the screen today. But let's read this story. Feedback. Here, right? Verse 1. You got it? Good. And But nice to have Shane and Jenny up front here. You guys have been in church for a while. Just seeing you take a step out of your comfort zone. Come and sit here today where my wife normally sits with our kids. They're in Freedom Kids today. So it's a privilege having you guys here up front here today making space for the one. We're building a culture where it's all about the one. And so those chairs there, but they've been taken already. Thank you, you're a legend. Verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Say passing through. Where have we heard that word before, passing through? Last week, 20 shared, some of you weren't here, 20 shared about how Jesus was passing through Samaria. He's on his way to Galilee. He's on a mission. He stops. And he has a time with this lady who encounters Jesus in a real radical way. He has a modern day example of someone who's passing through. My brother and I did the Sani to see. It was incredible. And my worst fear is that I lose one of my water bottles out of my cage on the back of my saddle here. So my mates tell me, don't worry, Daryl, buy yourself a specialized water bottle cage and you won't lose your bottle. And it's day three, it's fast and furious. First five Ks, I lose my water bottle. And so I'm thinking, okay, don't panic, just breathe because in 10 Ks time, there's a water point. You can grab a Coke bottle or a Powerade bottle, you'll be okay. Get to the water point. My brother says to me, but we're not stopping. We're passing through. We're not stopping, we're going. We're passing through because those specialized tablets are chasing us. <laughs> My life. Friends, I want to say to you today, Jesus is passing through Freedom Church through the power of His Holy Spirit today. And it may be the last time that He's passing through Freedom Church in this way that He wants to today. Yes, if we allow him to next week and the week after, if we give God full permission and control of the service, he will pass through again next week, but he may never pass through the same way he is today. Yeah. 
And I want to say to you today, don't delay. Don't delay. Perhaps today you need an encounter with Jesus. Perhaps today you need to make right or repent or give your life to Jesus or set things straight in your life. Don't delay. Maybe the very last time that he's going to speak to you in the way that he wants to today. I want someone to pray today. I want someone to pray that God's spirit is going to move today and that hearts are going to respond to the encounter that God wants to have in people's hearts today. Close your eyes, please, friends. So, Father, we thank you that your spirit is so felt here, Father. We thank you that you've already done what you plan to do already. And we know that, Father, you've already touched our hearts. So, Father, we pray that you'll open our ears to the message, Father. We pray that something like scales will fall from our eyes from hearing this message, hearing you speaking into our lives. So, Father, we pray that as we hear this message, we won't just put it in our mouths and spit it out when we leave here. But, Father, we'll, we'll take it in and we'll swallow it, Father, so that it will... Plant a seed within us, Father, that we may grow like oaks of righteousness. So we thank you, Father, that your spirit is here. We bless Daryl, we bless freedom, and we just thank you for your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Verse 1, thank you. He entered Jericho and was passing through. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to what people think he's going to do. They think he's going to Jerusalem to take over the kingdom and sort the Romans out. That's what people think Jesus is going to do on his way to Jerusalem. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. What most of you are hoping to be. Let's just hold the story here, friends. The Romans were taking control of every city, every town by force. And so the Roman army would come into Benoni. They would take over control of Benoni. And they wouldn't just plunder and take Benoni once off. They would go in, take control of Benoni of the city, and they would set up little armies in the city, and then they would set up SARS tax offices in the city, and they would take a little bit at a time from all the people. That's what they were busy doing. Now for us in South Africa, we complete our IRP5 forms, and we submit that to SARS, and sometimes you'll get a little bit out, but not often. Not in these times, friends. In the times that we're reading about here, it was tax for nothing. You never, ever got anything out from the tax man. The tax collector would just come. He'd walk into your business, and he would say something like this. Give me 7,000 rand now. And you'd have to pay him 7,000 rand. Then what he would do is he would complete that form that would be sent to the Roman Empire, but he would only declare five grand. He'd pocket two grand himself. That's what they were busy doing. And Jericho is a big city. They reckon there were about 150 to 200 tax collectors in Jericho. Now to top it all off, this Zacchaeus, he's the chief guy. He's got oaks underneath him that are earning commission. And he gets calm from those deals that the other tax collectors are busy doing. Now you know why everybody hated a tax collector. And this guy sided with the Roman army because they decided we're going to come in, we're going to set up armies and tax offices, but we won't put the Romans in charge of the, of the tax office. We're going to use the local people because they know what's happening in business. So they used the Jews. They used everybody who knew what was happening in business. That oak's business is pumping. I'm going to go there and get cash from him. And so if you were a tax collector, actually you were, you were part of the enemy because you were protected by the Roman army. You're no longer part of the people. Let's carry on reading this story. This oak wanted to see, verse 3, 
He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead, climbed up a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. That's a fact. This oak is short, but it's not the only reason he went and climbed up that tree. He went and ran on ahead and climbed up that tree because the crowd around him and around Jesus hated him. Another point to the story today. It was safer to be up there in that crowd than what it was to be around those people on the ground. And there's a problem here because today there's no Roman soldier in sight who could protect Zacchaeus. So if he went and got money from your company and there was a bit of an altercation, he would just snap his fingers and right there there'd be a Roman soldier that would come and protect him if there was an altercation. But today, there's no Roman soldier that can protect Zacchaeus in this situation. It's like those guys that you knew at school, those arrogant whippersnapper kids. And you want to put them in their place and you're about to get a bit aggressive or say something to them and they say, hey, don't touch me. Because my brother's in my trick, that big oak, he's going to sort you out. So this is the situation that, that Zacchaeus is in. But not today. No Roman soldiers to look out for Zacchaeus today. He has his chance though. This man, Jesus, that he's heard about is coming his way. I want to see Jesus. I want get to get to be close to Jesus, but I can't. It was safer for him to be up in that tree than what it was to be in that crowd. If he's down in that crowd, it's not going to end well today. Maybe you also want to see Jesus. Maybe you also want to get close to Jesus. But the crowd that is around Jesus, you don't like. You know why? Because the crowd that's around Jesus judges you. They think they're self-righteous. They think they're better than you. They're going to tell you what to do. And in actual fact, you think the crowd around Jesus are hypocrites. Maybe you think the crowd around Jesus doesn't like you. Or maybe... You don't like them. I want to say to you what I've learned out of this story, friends, that right there in that crowd that you don't like, or perhaps the crowd that doesn't like you, right there, Jesus can touch you and engage with you, just like he does here with Zacchaeus. I wonder how many friends Zacchaeus had. Probably very few. Zacchaeus is hated by the people. But you know what's interesting? It was never probably Zacchaeus' intention to, to wake up and discover, I've got no friends. How, how did Zacchaeus get to that point where he suddenly realizes, hang on, I've got no friends? You don't just wake up next week, Thursday, and realize, wow, what, what's happened? Why don't I have any friends? You, you see, friends, you, you wake up and realize that you've got no friends slowly, slowly, as things start to happen in your life. When you love something else just a little bit more, you get to that point where you've got no friends. It's like your marriage. You don't wake up next month and realize, hang on, my marriage is a little bit shaky. Unless you love something else just a little bit more. You know what that's called? It's called idolatry. It's called idolatry. That's what idolatry does to us, friends. It doesn't make you hate something else idolatry doesn't make you hate something else it just says will you love something else just a little bit more that's idolatry it starts like this it starts small and it starts to grow 
Here's an example. If I had to say to you, but it's not great that you're replying to emails while you're having a family dinner. Most of us would agree. That's not great to be, to be doing that. You see, idolatry doesn't make sense. It only makes sense when you love something else just a little bit more. And Zacchaeus' problem, you know what his problem was? He loved money just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And slowly he gets to a place where he can't go into a crowd and be accepted He's been rejected by his family. The only friends that he may have are other tax collectors. And so this is where Zacchaeus is. No friends. And the crowd hates him. Verse 4. So he ran on ahead. And he climbed up this sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down here immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. This is an incredible story, friends, because we see this massive transformation in Zacchaeus' life. He comes down from the tree Jesus goes into Zacchaeus' house. Maybe he has a meal with Zacchaeus, but Jesus doesn't say anything else. Or at least nothing important because it's not recorded in the Bible here, friends. Jesus says, come down. I want to come to your house. We don't know what was said at Zacchaeus' house. Jesus didn't say to him, listen, you need to sort out your theology. You need to sort out your sin. What you are doing is wrong. He didn't say that. He didn't judge. He didn't judge Zacchaeus. But because of this encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus' life is, is transformed. I met with a man at the Wimpy recently. He's come from a very deep place of hurt because people have told him what he needs to do to fix this mistake, to fix things. And as I sat listening to this man, I closed my eyes for a second. I said, God, let me not fall into this category of telling this man what to do. He knows what to do. Zacchaeus knew he had done wrong, but Jesus just visited Zacchaeus. There's a lady sitting here today. She shared with me how her neighbor has had a miscarriage. And now her neighbor is pregnant again. And she feels deep within her heart that she needs to do something. She needs to go to this neighbor and, and give her a, a message and, and maybe pray with her and maybe say something Christian-like, you know. So she's Googling what to say, what should I say, what's the right Christian thing to say. And she says, you know what, I just want to go and be with this lady. I'm just going to go and visit her. And I'm going to trust God for something that he gives me to say to her. I thought, wow, this lady's got it. That's what Jesus did. He just went to visit Zacchaeus. Just one encounter with Jesus at Zacchaeus' house transformed his life like that. And it transformed him so much that he became so much more generous than what the law said he had to do. Let's look at this encounter, how it transformed Zacchaeus. Look at it, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up. 
and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I'm going to give half of my possessions, possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You see, friends, you know what happens? He gets to this place where he says, I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. Nowhere in the law was that a requirement. The law didn't state that you had to give half of everything you own away. At most, 10%. In the Bible, when you defrauded somebody, you didn't have to pay them back fourfold. If you defrauded somebody in those times, the law said you must pay them back 20% if you've defrauded them. If you've stolen from them, the law said you had to pay them back twice, never four times. When the idols in our lives are dealt with, God does something in our hearts that goes way, way, way beyond the law. And I want to ask you today, friends, are there some idols in your life? Are there some idols in my life, Daryl, that God wants to deal with today? And the first thing you say is, it's that oak and his money. Don't do that, friends. Because I bet if you had to close your eyes right now, let's just close our eyes right now, I bet that there would be something in your life that God is busy speaking to you about right now. How do you know, Daryl? Because there's something in my life that God is busy speaking to me about right now. Let's just carry on with this message. The idolatry in Zacchaeus' life was not taken away. I realized this this week, friends. The money wasn't taken away by him trying to beat this idol down in his life. It had to be displaced. This is important to realize, friends. It wasn't taken away. That idol had to be displaced. And so if there's idolatry in your life, if there's something that draws you in, you will not get rid of it by just trying to shoo it away. You've got to displace that idol by something greater. And someone greater came into Zacchaeus' life, Jesus. See, the presence of Jesus will displace your idols. I want to say that again. I don't know what idols you're having in your life, but the presence of Jesus is going to displace those idols in your life again. And we can fight those idols as much as we want, but unless we're replacing them with the presence of God, with the presence of Jesus, we're going to keep fighting and losing, and fighting and losing, and fighting and losing. Zacchaeus, he has this encounter with Jesus, and his idol was displaced once and for all. Who are we in this story, Freedom Church? Who could you be? There's two scenarios as to who you could be in this story today. You could be Zacchaeus. You could be up there in that tree with your idols, wanting to see Jesus, but not able to get to him. You could be that person. Or you could be the crowd. You could be those people around Jesus, following him onto something, into something. You're not quite sure what, but you're following Jesus. And in this story, Jesus is not only addressing Zacchaeus, he's addressing something within the crowd as well. For Zacchaeus, he realized there's an idol in my life that needs to be displaced. But for the crowd, everything's cool. They're walking, they're following Jesus. But when Jesus looks up into that tree and looks at Zacchaeus, they get mad. They didn't want Jesus to say what he did to Zacchaeus. In fact, they wanted Jesus to sort out this guy. They wanted Jesus to nail this fraudster. 
They wanted Jesus to say something like, come down here, but I've been seeing what you've been doing to these people. It's time now that you get this all sorted out. They wanted Jesus to nail this oak. They got mad. They muttered, and they said, oh, look at this guy now. He's going to spend time at the home of a sinner. And, and Jesus had every right to nail Zacchaeus. Think about it. This oak's in the wrong for years. It was probably right for Jesus to do that, but he doesn't. He doesn't. There's many times in the Bible where he does preach, and he preaches very directly at times, sometimes very challenging. I think of the time where he's giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he's preaching very directly. There's many examples in the Bible where Jesus does preach straight. But you know what happens when someone on the outside when someone feels far from Jesus, where someone's in the tree because the crowd hates him and he doesn't want to come to church and be around Jesus, you know what happens? Jesus stops. And the preaching stops. And he looks at that man. And he calls him down. He loves that man. And that man has an encounter with Jesus. You know what happens in, in the culture of, uh, of today, or in that time, in those culture, in, in that culture, you only spend time with people who had status. So if I was a, a, a friend and, I, and uh, I, I stayed in a nice house, people would want to come and spend time with me, because that stated the type of friendship circles that I hang around with. That's what happened in those times, friends. That was the culture. You know what happened with Jesus? He chose to go into somebody's house who had no honor. He chose to go into somebody's house whose society hated. He went against the culture of the time. And he went and spent time with that man who had no honor and had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus is prepared to go outside of his culture. Are we? Are we? Are we prepared to go outside of our culture. How do we go outside of our culture? I want to ask you that today. How do we go outside of what we value? Because all of us value something. All of us love something. How do we go outside of that? You know what I think we all honor, what we, what we all value? I think we all value honor. Think about it. If there was a man sitting here today in these three open spots with a, a family around him who was a famous sports star, you would be sitting there at the back nudging your wife or your brother saying, hey, check him there, sitting there, check that out. Maybe you'd come up after the service and, and say, hey, do you mind if I have a selfie of you with my kids here? You would, I know. I know you would because I would too. And you maybe even would go outside often and say, hey, can I buy you a coffee? Do you mind if I buy you a coffee? We all love honor. We all love status. We love influential people. We do. Do we love the uninfluential people? The not fun people. What about them, friends? I remember sitting in my lounge before we started Freedom Church with a couple of mates. And we were thinking about this church plant. If the school gives us the hall, are we going to do this? If we start this church, how are we going to do this? And one of the guys, I remember saying, there will be people that will come into this hall and will sit right at the back, feeling lonely, feeling unloved. 
I spoke to a man this week. He met a man with thick glasses. He says, I love that man. And I'm walking a road with that man. I thought, wow. That's the culture that we've wanted to start with here at Freedom Church, friends. On Wednesday, I spoke to a couple. I spoke to a man. He said, you know, we are coming to Freedom Church for a while, but we've made a decision. He says, my wife and I afterwards, we're not going to rush off and go do business that we need to on a Sunday. He says, we've made a commitment that we're going to stay behind and we're going to go and find somebody that we don't know and we're going to offer to buy them a coffee and just get to know their name. Just, just connect with them a little bit. I thought, wow, that's the culture that we want to build here at Freedom Church, friends. And as I put my head down on the pillow on Wednesday night, I thought, God, I don't worry about the land and the building and what's going to happen down the line. Let's worry about the culture that's starting here at Freedom Church. It's no use we get a place and we get bigger, more people. That's not the point if we cannot get it right here. Building a culture of a family here. But not fun people. The people who are perhaps on the outside. Someone prayed at the 8 o'clock prayer meeting this morning. God, for people that are in a dark place in their life, and don't know where to turn, show them the love of you. I thought, wow, that's, that's beautiful. That ties in with this message this morning. We want to become a family here, friends, that is real and radical and relational. And looking out for the not fun, the uninfluential people. Amen? I want us to look at another man in the Bible. Just one chapter back, Luke chapter 18. Another man, another rich young man. This is the good oak. He's the guy who supports hospice every month. He's the guy who supports the inner city ministry here in Benoni every month. He's the cool guy, the good oak. Verse 18, this is what he says. A certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is the good oak. Okay? He's seeking after Jesus, asking the right good Christian questions. What should I do to inherit eternal life? I'm this guy that everybody likes. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered him, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. This is Jesus talking to him. And then this rich young man says, all these things I've done since I was a young boy. In Mark, if you had to read this same story, you would read what Jesus did. In Mark, it says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Jesus looked at this young rich man and he loved him and said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now just relax, church, because Jesus is not telling you, Clinty, that you must sell all your stuff and give it to the, the poor. But, okay, he's not addressing you with this. He knows he's addressing this man because this money issue is an idol in this man's life. But he's not saying it to you, okay? So just relax here. Verse 23. When he heard this, he became very sad because this man was very wealthy. Jesus looked around and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel, I like this, to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom 
of God. Those who heard this asked, who can then be saved? It's like, well, then I've got no chance of going into heaven one day. There's no chance for me. How's it possible? Let's go back to Luke 19. Turn back, turn forward one page. This is our story now about Zacchaeus, the other rich guy. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today, today, salvation has come into this house because this man too is a son of Abraham because the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus was also a very rich man. Two rich men. One, impossible. Impossible. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. You're right. It's impossible. Another rich man. Today, salvation comes into that man's house. You see, friends, Jesus extended mercy to both of these men. He gave them both mercy. He showed them mercy. And when, whenever you're in the presence of Jesus, he's going to demand your attention, Mike, for the attention of his. He's going to demand your attention. And he's going to point out your idols like he did to that man. And he does this to both of them. He says to the one, you love your money. You love your money. Come, come, come and follow me. And he can't. He can't do it. And to the other man, he says, come down from that tree. Come down from that safe place. Come down into this crowd that actually judges you and actually hates you. Come down and follow me. And Zacchaeus came down immediately. See, friends, we love the mercy and the grace of God. We all talk about the mercy and the love of grace. But sometimes when God shows us his mercy and his grace, it's a little bit tough. It's tough sometimes. You think it was easy for Zacchaeus to come out of that tree? I don't think it was easy for him. It was tough, man. You need an incredible amount of humility to accept God's mercy. It was humbling for that oak to climb down from that tree. And it doesn't matter what background you come from. The mercy of God demands that you give him your attention and that you displace that idol. God doesn't call us out of the things that we love for nothing. God wants us to come out of and displace those idols in our lives because he knows that those idols are bad for us. And eventually, those idols are going to destroy us. There's purpose in that, friends. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, calm down from that tree. I'm coming to your house. He calls Zacchaeus out of that tree. And it's hard for that oak to do that. Because he knew that Zacchaeus needed to be in the presence of Jesus. And that he wanted Zacchaeus to have an encounter that day with Jesus. And that encounter allowed Zacchaeus to displace his idols. But the joy, the joy that came after that was so much greater that day, Jesus was passing through Jericho. Where was he going? He was on his life's mission on the way to Jerusalem. But on the way, he stopped for Zacchaeus and he looked up and this encounter started with Zacchaeus. Why was Jesus going to Jerusalem? Jesus was going to Jerusalem to be hung on a cross. 
Many different translations in the Bible use different words for that journey on the way to Jerusalem. But I want us to look at Acts chapter 13 verse 29. It is on the board for you. It says, when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. Friends, thousands of years ago, it was prophesied that Jesus would come to this earth and that he would be hung on a cross and put up in a tree. Jesus went to Jerusalem to be put up on a tree on Zacchaeus' behalf. Jesus went to Jerusalem to be put up on a tree on behalf of you, Brett, on behalf of you, sir. All the way from Krugersdorp today, you've come today to hear this message. Jesus was put up on a tree on your behalf, and you, and you, and you. He was hung on a tree outside the city at Golgotha. Zacchaeus should have been crucified. He should have been crucified right there in that tree because of what lifestyle he'd been living. He should have been crucified by his own people, but he never was. Jesus was in his place. And today I pray that we will get what Jesus has done for us. Today I pray that you won't just get a glimpse of Jesus. Today I pray that you will have an encounter with Jesus like Zacchaeus did that day. And that you will allow him to displace your idols, not to take them away, to displace those idols, to put Jesus first in your life as you realize we should have been and we should be hung on that tree Jesus was hung on that tree for you and I and may our love for this city show others his great love for us in Jesus name